first you, you think like, okay, maybe the Fight Club isn't necessarily a bad thing at the start for these men who need like, yeah, you know, it's an outlet. It's safe enough. You know, they get hurt, but it's like they never get so hurt that they. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. In the same way that, you know, some lonely young men bonding on Reddit message boards isn't innately a bad thing when it starts, but then, you know, it develops into a direction that, you know, you see it with incels, obviously, where it just becomes... I mean, in a weird way, even though it's a different time and country, it sort of reminded me of uh, the guy from Snowtown. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In that, you know, initially he's sort of this charismatic, sort of loving figure, and then he slowly turns. Yeah, he's this psychopathic, you know. Uh, except that's a real guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I mean, but um, I do think, no, I mean, I really do think that this film is remarkably accurate and relevant in accounting for, you know, it's not just men, it's women, but it's there's different reasons um, and different effects. There are many reasons. I think one of the main ones is just that, um, I mean, Tyler at one point says this in mm-hmm. the film, and I couldn't agree with it more. We were raised to think that we were all going to be millionaires right. and rock stars right. and actors and we're slowly realizing that we aren't. No. And we're very pissed off. No, I mean, we've... We've all grown up in a generation and a time that was worse off than our parents' time, right? And a hundred percent. And yeah. it's not, you know, we were we were lied to, and things have gotten harder. And you know, it it the the problem. Well, it's like when my dad talks to me about getting jobs, right? Yeah. He's like, just call them back, call them back until they. No, until they're yeah. on the phone with you, and they'll give you a straight answer. And I'm like, nowadays you can't do that. They'll just they'll just call other people and tell them yeah don't do an interview with this guy yeah the the truth of the fact is of the matter i should say is that the demands of modernity and modern capitalism are often demands that we can't meet as just human beings and even if, if we can meet them it it dehumanizes us in the process and it's really it's something that everyone is struggling with, you know, even even people I, you know, immediate like I feel like Trump got elected on on some of this stuff where yeah. you know, people who are unemployed who feel that they've been wronged and they have been wronged in many ways, but the problem is that it it and what you see in Fight Club that it it accounts for so well is that those feelings can either develop to you know, a sort of positive movement for for social change in some way, or right. But so often they just end up going on the negative. Well, path. It, it becomes this sort of nihilistic exercise where they don't pinpoint the locus of oppression in this movie. They just decide, well, let's blow things up. You know, and basically, I mean, one other important thing to note because I have the sort of historical backdrop yeah, to go yeah. off of. Um. This film would never get made today. No, never. It wouldn't have been made even a couple of years later because we had September 11th. Yeah, I know. In the last shot, I was like... In the last shot, <laughs> it was so prophetic. Yeah, it's basically the Twin Towers falling. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, I think that 
I think that imagery is intentional because it is supposed to be these credit card companies and it's supposed to be basically them destroying um, debt. Like, yeah. You know, these huge credit card companies and like throwing the economic uh, environment into chaos. Yeah. It's just then that actually happened. Yeah. With people in the building. Yeah, no, no. It wouldn't. Um, it's too, It's the same thing like, you know. I watch Independence Day as well, right? And they blow up... Oh, and they blow up the White House. Yeah, all these things. And this imagery was just... It was different prior to 9-11, which is... It was, and I think... I think that is one thing I love about the movie, Mm. too, is it it speaks to a time... So you have to understand, in the late 90s, I'm not even religious, but the prevailing sentiment was that the world is going to end. Right. Y2K is going to destroy the banks. That was a big one. When everything goes over, Y2K is going to... Do you know anything yeah, about that? Yeah, I do remember. Well, I don't remember it, but I, I have heard I about mean, it. I mean, basically, I think it was something like once everything goes over to zero, all of these banks are going to get fucked up yeah. and all the account numbers are going to get fucked right, up and right, everyone's right, going right. to be in economic chaos. It didn't happen, Of course, of course. Or they were able to patch it in time. But Yeah, no, it, it was uh, one of those sort of... Well, I mean, you get those... Every now and then with people like, you know, whether it's like an Aztec prophecy or like some sort of, you know, meteorite or something, people are always saying that the world is going to end. But but the thing is, when you lived in the late 90s, like that was a legitimate, yeah. legitimate fear because no one knew. Yeah. I mean, I thought for sure on New Year's Eve 99, there was just going to be an enormous explosion right. in Times Square. Yeah. And then nothing happened. And it was like, oh. Yeah. Oh no, nothing happened. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, I mean, and then we had September 11th, and I know some people like to say, "Well, that was the big end of the world," but that wasn't the end of the world. That was just a bunch of Americans dying, and that happens in countries all over the world every day. Yeah. Well, it also provided the groundwork for new forms of like authoritarian domination of the both the U.S. and other countries. And cease. what what it turns out is actually we live in a time that's worse than the end of the world. We're living in a perpetual hell of you know yeah we don't even get the catharsis of it is the end of the world let's party because we saw with covid yeah no that's as close i think as we're gonna get and people just basically sat at home in their sweatpants and binged netflix yeah no 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 and well i not like i figured anybody would be wearing assless chaps and decapitating people but you know well i mean we'll see what the climate crisis brings but like the thing that's, that's disturbing, you've seen that video online, I assume, where, like, this pipeline just burst in the Gulf of Mexico and the literal, like, fucking ocean. Oh, the ocean's on fire? Yeah, the ocean's... I saw a funny meme, I mean, maybe darkly funny. <laughs> yeah. It's that one where it's, like, my parents, like, let's buy this house. Yeah. My parents in their 30s, let's buy this house. Me in my 30s, the ocean's on fire again. Yes, yeah, I saw that one, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean... But, yeah, no, I mean, that's so... I mean, that. I think that is inherently why people my age and younger and even older people can relate to Fight Club mm. because it's sort of, it sort of tapped into that feeling of like the world is ending, but no one cares. Right. What are we going to do? Right, right, right. Well, we'll make them care. Yeah. It's a revolutionary impulse, right? It just happens to be, yeah. you know, a... Uh, uh, sort of fascistic revolution rather than like yeah where it's like it's about just destroying everything and uh you know with with no idea of building something back in its place like and we'll get to it when we get to it but another funny thing is that um palinuk based 
Project Mayhem on an actual um, mm. it, an actual group. Oh, really? I believe it was the uh, oh, and I can't remember the exact name now, but it was like the Chaos Society or something like oh. that, the Anarchist Society, the Chaos Society. And he said it was funny because they were literally like, "We'll meet Thursdays," and yeah. you know, like. We'll be chaotic in this short framework of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, or we'll be anarchist and anarchistic. Yeah, it, it pokes fun, I feel like. This this film does poke fun at those, at, at extremist movements in general, where it sort of starts to, like, you know, obviously the rules of Fight Club, you know, don't talk about Fight Club or whatever. They've become a meme since, but, like, I was surprised to see how much in the film those rules start to become a joke. Like, late in the film, Edward Norton... There's a ton of people that join, and it's like, so you guys haven't been following the first rule? Yeah. And and Edward Norton, late in the film, is, like, going around trying to figure out what the fuck is going on, and everybody's like, uh, rule number one, don't ask questions. And, like, it just becomes this sort of almost, like, absurd thing where he's just, you know, the people that are are in fact serving him are refusing to enlighten him about what's going on. Um, I, I sort of, yeah, I mean, we've, there's an important thing we forgot to mention yeah. because before they end up at the bar, uh, Edward comes home and he finds out his apartment's been blown. Oh yeah. 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 That was an important And detail. at first he thinks it's a gas leak. That's what ultimately, that's why he calls Tyler because he has Tyler's number. Um, who knows how this actually works. But... Well, that's interesting because that in that he, he calls and nobody picks up and then he gets the call back, right? Oh, that's right. He gets the call back. That's how that works. Yeah. Which is clever. So I was going to say for your imaginary friend, I don't know that they can answer the phone. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is insane. Yes, so. yes, yes, yes. But that, and now um, I, I only realized that just now the, the way that they do the double phone call or, you know, that's clever. But anyway, it is. Yeah. But so that's when he decides to live with Tyler. One thing I think the film has over the book and I, I mean, don't quote me because I only did the audiobook a couple years ago. Mm. So I haven't seen it or I haven't listened to it as much as I've seen the film. Oh, okay. But this house, like the the set decorating they do in this film is so great. Mm, yeah. And the scene setting. But this house in particular, it's like in a different context, this is just a haunted, decrepit mansion. Yeah. But in this one, it's where he lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody... Uh, and I found this interesting. Um, there is this critic that notably, and it's quite obvious if you watch the film, but it's sort of contrasting the sort of dryness and sterility of the office and his former apartment with this almost like, like it's like a swamp in uh, in Brad Pitt's place where it's just like, there's like dirt and water and grime everywhere. And it's like, you get the sense. Yeah, when it rains, the roof leaks, they have to shut the electricity off, and the basement is constantly flooded. Yeah, it's sort of this like. Everything's like rotting and gross. It's like this, like the sewer at the bottom of all of the um, sort of corporate sterility that we've seen prior. I mean, I think the very obvious thing to me is that the house represents his mental state. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But also this sort of, the sense of like something welling up from the bottom in 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 a yeah there is a lot of water in yeah, yeah which is like that reminds me of sort of the class element in a way that it's just working class men who are starting to coalesce into this sort of uh 
you know, formation that's against the uh, dry corporate elite or whatever. But um, yeah, it's against the anesthetized corporate. Uh, it's very culture. It's, it's like ver- it's very dirty and grimy and raw and physical. People probably get sick. It's physical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's it's like submersion in the uh, submergence, I should say, in like the the raw elements, which is very different from that sort of. Um, detached, uh, anesthetized, as you said, life. But I think that's what the film has over the book, is that even if this isn't the book, you don't see how grimy right, it is, you right, know? Right. You imagine it, but, like, with this house, you're like, oh, wow, okay, this is where he's at now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he seems to be happy there with... Um, uh, yeah, I think the whole point is that like he he no longer has any of his stuff that he thought was so important to him, and yet he's having a good time because he has a friend. Yeah, and he's able to like finally connect with someone. Yeah, 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 yeah. and feel like he's sort of living a a truer life in that way. Um, yeah, and you know, there's humorous conversations. Obviously, the Fight Club keeps going. They go into, like, once you've had a fight, you start to see the world differently, and they have these dumb conversations, like, if you could fight any character yeah. from history, who would you fight? And I think Tyler says, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, because tall and guys. I think uh, Norton's character says Gandhi. Yeah, which is interesting. Why Why the sort of liberation... Well, I mean, okay, we. I'm not going to get into a debate about Gandhi and Lincoln's historical legacies because they're more complicated, but right, yeah. um, both of them obviously were involved. I think it's more just a joke because yeah. at that point they were both seen as like these, uh, you know, influential and important figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so it just sort of... I like the pace of this film, even though it's it's relatively... You know, just judging by a standard Hollywood model, it's it's somewhat longer. It's like two hours twenty minutes. Um, but the thing is, you I've never felt it. Yeah, no, because it keeps it moving along at a at a really good rate. Yeah. Um, but eventually, um, I think uh, Marla calls him. Uh, to s- yeah, and she basically says, you know. I've swallowed a whole bottle of Xanax. This might be one of those cries for help, but who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he decides not to go, but Tyler picks up the phone and he saves her. Um, And basically, you know, uh, they start to have this ridiculous affair. This was also, like, one of the more rom-com elements to me where, like... um, uh, Edward Norton is like lying in bed at the bottom of the house and he just oh and he's listening to like this insane fucking like, yeah. they're both screaming their heads off and the plaster is breaking yeah. and above you hear his head. the bed like banging against the wall and Ed- at one point he like looks in and Tyler opens the door and he's wearing like dishwashing gloves and nothing else yeah, it's funny and you'll get a sense of the of of a certain jealousy not just like not just homoerotic jealousy obviously but like you know it was a boys club and now the girl is in here yeah like he's bothered because his friend is now yeah bros before you know, involved <laughs> which happens man it does happen um but yeah i mean and then it just basically he sort of takes the back seat um in their relationship well i think that's the important thing is that he's had to be in the back seat 
He's finally gotten a taste of being closer to the front, and now he's pushed to the back again. Which is, uh, it's a, a frustrating sort of emasculating experience again. Um, and then, so meanwhile, um, I mean, some parts of the metal are a bit of a haze to me because it, yeah. it's integrated. It's basically just varieties of Fight Club things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean... It, I think one of the important scenes is he runs into Bob. Yes, he runs into Bob, yeah. Maybe. And Bob is like, I don't go to the support group anymore because I have something even better, but I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> and So you're seeing his club suddenly pervading culture in a way where one of the people he used to see just randomly hears about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, it starts to... I mean, I think that this this film... Later, especially in like the last half of it, has an almost like not quite surreal, but like absurdist quality to it. Where oh yeah, yeah. where like Fight Club starts to be like this, um, like interstate organization where you know all of these people are suddenly joining and he starts to get nods from like men everywhere he goes yeah like they go into like um you know i forgot the exact thing but it's like we had this guy in the office he couldn't remember if you wanted what color pens you wanted but he was a god when he was in the ring and then when he was trouncing this like Mater D or something. Yeah. And then it cuts to them in real life and they've got black eyes and like, you know, broken noses. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of But it gets into how Fight Club starts to pervade culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know, by the way, little postscript, Fight Club there were fight clubs that started? Oh, because of this? Or just in general? Yeah. Like people started fight clubs. Like people that Palinuk ran into, they'd be like, Yeah, I started a fight club and he's like, You did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh that makes sense, I guess. I mean it's the sort of thing that Like there were a lot. I think there probably still are fight clubs, to uh, be honest. Presumably, presumably. Presumably. But Maybe it's not basically the I mean it's a little more violent and raw, but it's it's more or less boxing and, and wrestling really. I mean, ultimately. Yeah, without pads, but yeah, 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 yeah. I mean it's yeah, obviously people get blood but um i don't think there's anything innately harmful in the concept of a no fight they club. go out of their way again to emphasize you know when the fight if you want the fight to be done you just tap yeah, yeah yeah so feasibly you could show up get clocked in the face one time really hard and just be like i'm out yeah, 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 yeah. um and then he does he he fights bob in one scene and it's sort of a funny like you know, reflection of the earlier moment when they were crying and hugging and like sobbing. Now it's that they're punching each other and like beating each other up. And it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's funny in that way. I mean, I like those little mirrors of, you know, despite it being violent, it is, it seems good natured. Yeah, no, they're having a good time. Um, but, uh, not for long because at this point, Tyler starts to set, a different sort of project up. Um, yeah, he starts by having giving people homework assignments. For instance, this is when I think the funniest yeah. scene or montages in the film. He says, you have to pick a fight with someone and lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they go, and it's just these scenes of, like, this guy who works at a, I think, a 
as a mechanic. And there's people walking by and he just keeps hitting him with a hook. Yeah, I think it's that he... And then there's somebody who's like hanging out near an office who just keeps trying to attack people. Does he say lose or start a fight with somebody you don't know? Because I think it was... what what. I think it's both. I think he says you have to start a fight with a complete stranger and lose. Yeah, yeah. And you have this sort of, yeah, that comical montage. And he describes, you know, this is going to be tough because most people will do anything to avoid a fight, which is true. Like, if somebody, like... Yeah. Was, like, goading me in public, I'd try not to... I've been at concerts where someone kept pushing into me and looking at me like they wanted to fight, and I just didn't. Yeah. Because I was like, fuck you, I'm here with my sister. Yeah, no. And you don't usually want to get into a fight. No, I didn't want to fucking fight. Yeah, 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 you know? Yeah. It's like I'm at a concert. Yeah. But it gets into, yeah, that whole, you have to make somebody beat you up and you have to lose. Yeah, and then it gets it gets really into the sort of... It gets progressively weirder. Yeah, the brainwashing element of it where now they're starting to commit acts of vandalism arson. and arson. Yeah, yeah. like extreme... Van- I mean, it starts innocuous enough, they kind of just like adjust a billboard and but then very quickly they're like starting a fire in an office and painting a little green smiley face underneath these two flaming eyes yeah and uh they they break they like break in car windshields at one point and uh i think the car is like um i was reading edward norton was saying that it was like it was the car that they break is something that was popular among the uh, baby boomers as like a car. Oh, yeah, the bug, yeah, the Volkswagen. Which is, you know, so they're sort of destroying their fathers, you know, in that sense. And the Volkswagen had a weird resurgence of the bug where they had like a mini bug or some new style of bug. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think that was around this period. Also, we so. should point out one thing um that that they're both of these characters although we ultimately learn they're the same character but both of these right both of these characters have absent fathers in one way or another um which is very interesting because it 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 sort of gets into that um almost adolescent rage against uh not just femininity but like you know, fuck you, dad. Like, I think uh, Fincher was like, yeah. uh, compared this movie to Rebel Without a Cause and The Graduate and all of these yeah, sort of yeah. like, almost like teen angst movies, but in this case. But then it's older. Yeah, it's people. grown men. Well, yeah. maybe not Rebel Without a Cause. I can't remember. No, no, no. Rebel Without a Cause is about teens, but um, yeah. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, but it, it sort of says a lot how they've carried that adolescent rage into like their 30s or in uh i mean it's it's interesting like edward norton is like 30 and tyler is 25 so he's like he's younger than him and like you know it's it's just i love details like that i mean yeah i mean i also have to bring up we gotta bring up tyler jordan's fucking wardrobe man. yeah it's good it's amazing it's like he's I believe the term is peacocking. All he does is peacock. It's like Pretty much, nothing but yeah. bright red jackets and like, you know, like bowling shirts that have like floral yeah, prints yeah, and yeah. like And his car too. That was funny. When he, he sees him. And ridiculous sunglasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's both a a parody of that sort of masculine aspiration and also indulging in it in that okay, you do think he looks cool, but at the same time he sort he of looks look sort of ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. and overblown. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just 
it gradually progresses the um the the stakes the, yeah to the point where eventually i think the first big turn to me is there's a part where it's a very important scene yeah where before this they've established uh that they steal basically liposuction fat to make soap yeah yeah which is gruesome but we won't dwell on that. Right. I think it is sort of gruesome, though. But so, um... basically, they're they're making the soap, and uh, I forget and what yeah, it is. At one point, well, Brad Pitt's like, "Lie is what we need to do to put into this fat oh, yeah. to make the soap," yeah, yeah. and he kisses Edward Norton on the hand. Mm-hmm. And then proceeds to pour lye in it. And he's like, this is a chemical burn. Yeah, and it's the most pain you'll ever experience or something. And Edward Norton is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's not... But he says, you know, uh, pain is a gift. Pain will harden him or something like that. Um, and that is very resonant with a certain type of masculine uh, identity in that, like, you know, you're only yourself when you're experiencing intense pain. Um, but it is, it's where you start to see that the, you know, the the Tyler character is a bit of a psycho in a way that we haven't quite seen before. I mean, the vandalism is certainly scary and threatening, but this is a level of, you know, just arbitrary brutality that um, it's it sort of raises the stakes, yeah. Um, it it starts to turn the narrative a little bit. Um, it does, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going to be a little distracted because it sounds like there's a fucking chainsaw oh. going off outside. I don't hear anything. Um, okay, I don't think it's getting picked up on the mic anyway, and I'm leaving it either way because it's the Fight Club episode. Why not? Um, but yeah, so you know, eventually he uh, he stops the chemical burn and. Um, but this is the first, like, overt, like, unwanted violence that yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. narrator experiences from Tyler. Yeah. And this is pretty much the turning point where it's going to be nothing but stuff he doesn't want Tyler to do from here Yeah, on yeah, out. pretty much. Um, and, yeah, so he starts Project Mayhem, where he essentially recruits people and lets them live in the house. And it's more or less, yeah, it's like a terrorist group. Like, you know, even though it starts out as, like oh, we're doing sort of kooky prank type things on a large scale, it's still a terrorist group. Yeah, and they start, you know, assembling, you know, napalm and all of these sort of weapons. And they, like, he has them, like, digging their own graves, and when they join, they have to have enough money for burial costs. Yeah. So it gets pretty intense. Yeah, it's 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 culty. It's, you know, it's... it's, it's yeah, it's like a cult or, you know, terrorist group. Yeah. Um, But so... The next big turn, I think, that happens is that Bob gets shot in the head. Yeah. Because they're basically, they just, they, they have the flashback. They take this big piece of modern art, which is this huge ball, and they blow it up to try to destroy this corporate coffee shop. Right. And they do. Yeah. But on the when they're running away, one of the cops shoots Bob in the head. And they bury him in the backyard and he he becomes and at this point yeah at this point though edward norton is like you guys are insane you need to stop doing this he had a name his name was robert paulson and everyone is so brainwashed at this point they think oh so you have no name when you're alive in project mayhem yeah but when you die you have a name yeah. so it's like no matter what 
the Everdorn's character can't get people to stop. It becomes comical that uh, every word he says is interpreted like as scripture. everything is hyper-analyzed yeah. and seen as some sort of message. And in retrospect, it makes sense because you realize he is Tyler yeah. Durden. So they're, you know, they're taking his so word as God's word, yeah. basically. Um, um, and it explains how certain people have deference to him. Like, you know, when he beats the shit out of Jared Leto at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he thinks that Jared Leto is getting in good with Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Jared Leto at one point, um, you know, he's like, here, sir. And he, he gives him these beers and all this stuff. And at first you think it's just because he's... Well, no, this is before he beats the shit out of him, so... Yeah, yeah, no. But yeah, people give him this deference, and you assume at first, on your first viewing this, because he's so close with Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but no. it's because he is Tyler. And basically, he is... Tyler isn't... is sort of absent from this portion, so... Excuse me. Um, The narrator starts to follow, like, a paper trail of... You know, he's been traveling across the country, and he finds that this project has sort of spread to like multiple states and you know wherever he goes nobody tells him that there is it's going on but they all cue him into it that that like like one guy says i don't know anything you're talking about and then he says sir and then he winks you know so you know people yeah, yeah it's it's sort of funny in that way but it is and you know i think the way they do the turn is so great because he ends up at this yeah. f- finally at this one restaurant, and uh, the yeah the bartender says, "Oh, welcome back, sir." And he says, "What do you mean?" He says, "Well, you came in last Thursday." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is the first hint he has. Like, wait, what are you talking about? He's like, "You were here last Thursday, sir." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, "What is my name?" And he goes, "Tyler Durden, sir." Mm-hmm. And then and that's the first like, oh shit. And then he. He calls. He calls Marla, and he's like, "What is my name?" And she's like, "You psycho! You're Tyler." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny. He says, "Like, have we had sex?" Right? And she's like, "Is this a trick she's like, question?" Do you mean, like, we fucked or did we make love? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny. But uh, and then so it becomes this real. This is where we get the big reveal that um, Tyler is just sort of a manifestation of the you know the narrator's consciousness and yeah he's sort of like the i guess the id yeah or or the asp like the sort of psycho macho version of him that he wishes he could be um and that is now out of control like he he can't and what's interesting to me too is i don't i think in the interim when we don't see tyler he doesn't have a shaved head right yeah but when he pops back up he's got the shaved yeah, head and the beard like everybody yeah. else in the project man yeah, yeah yeah yeah. um so it's it, it starts to get it gets a little crazy so he's basically he's trying to stop himself in terms of right he's like he's trying to convince people don't do what i say but like he goes to the cops at one point and the main officer leaves the room and these other yeah ones this was go, harrowing i thought <laughs> this was scary it was like oh sir you know this is such a noble thing you're doing so what are you talking about it's like well you said you would try to stop this and then we were to cut off your balls <laughs> he's like what are you talking about and it's like you know this is a really powerful gesture sir and they like get him onto the table and uh, and they're like basically pulling down his pants and they're about to cut off his balls and he manages to steal one of their guns yeah. but he doesn't have pants yeah so he just runs around with that pants so he just ru- leaves the police station and he's just like hauling ass 
in like, is he in a coat? Sort of like a loose shirt or jacket or something. Yeah, he's in this sort of jacket with only underwear and like, yeah. shoes. Yeah, and he's running around with a hand. It becomes a... like just running through the streets of LA. Yeah, it's 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 comedic to me, um, in a good way, in an, in a way that's very purposeful. I feel well, it fits. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it fits with someone who just found out they started this weird terrorist movement with their imaginary friend. So he basically, long story short, you know. He winds up where we found him at the start, um, just trapped. You know, Tyler has the gun. And they do head. have, you know, it's on my only notice on rewatches, yeah. but um, he goes, this is about where we came in. And he's like, I still don't have anything. And then Tyler goes, flashback here. Yeah, yeah. It becomes very uh, self-reflexive in that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it basically... Uh, <laughs> you're not quite sure exactly what is meant to be happening in terms of like okay so i guess he's holding the gun in his own mouth or whatever but um yeah because um i mean they've established that there's all this basically explosives in these buildings and that they're credit card companies and they there's no one in them but the attempt is to erase the debt and to throw the world in, or at least to throw a good portion of the world into economic chaos. Right, 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 right. To to clean the slate it, as it were. Clean the slate, yeah. But so, uh, Edward Norton finds Brad Pitt, and he finds this van, and they have this, like, fight, which is pretty funny, because they cut to security camera footage, and you see it's just him beating himself yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and him, like, dragging himself by the hair. Yeah, just, yeah. It's... And then him throwing himself down the stairs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then they cut in their, the top of this building. This is one of my, I don't know, this is one of my favorite endings in any film. Mm. I think it's just, I just love, I don't know, just the vibe of it is so, and the the lead up to it, I think, too. Because it's like, you've, you've now seen all of the ways, and all of, you know, you've seen Tyler being charismatic, and him luring Edward Norton in, and then you've seen him sort of, Turn evil or growing, and he's seen him training people and growing progressively more violent and insane till we get to this point. Yeah, and uh, basically, Edward Norton sort of wills the gun into his yeah, hand. Yeah, he realizes, okay, so Tyler's holding the gun on him, but he realizes, well, it's in my hand because I'm you. Yeah, and then it look he looks and it is in his hand, and he decides, you know what, I'm just gonna shoot myself in the head. Yeah, and he's aware also that... Because if I die, then you die. Um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of a gruesome moment. He sh- he shoots it into his mouth, um, not through his head, but, like, sort of shoots his cheek or something, and... Yeah, yeah. It, it, it works. I mean, Tyler just dies, but, um, you know, he's left there with this, like, sort of fucked up mouth and, like, a lot of blood, and it's it's funny, when the... When the thugs show up um, with Marla, they're like, oh, shit, like, do you need to get medical attention or something? Which is... is and he's like, no, no, I'm fine. It's, it's funny when considered in the context of how Fight Club, you know, they're blowing up institutions, they're beating each other up, but as soon as the boss needs medical attention, it's like, somebody call an ambulance or whatever. Um, but basically, you know, he, he, he shoes them out of the room and marla doesn't know what to do she's she's sort of pissed at him 
um, obviously, because... She... But then she realizes, like, what the fuck happened? Did right. you shoot yourself in the face? Right, right, right. And then we get a wonderful final shot, a great moment where... Yeah, the line before, it's nice, too. You met me at a very strange time in my life, Marlo. <laughs> it's funny. And they hold hands, and here is where I think the film, like, outshines the book a lot. So the original ending, or, well, sorry, not the original ending, the ending of the book... Mm-hmm. Is that he, the bombs don't work. Oh. That he just isn't able to do them effectively. And then all these people from the support groups come up into the building. Oh. And they're like, we miss you, come back. And then he gets institutionalized, but there's sort of this like, you know, he's hearing some of the orderlies being like, Tyler Durden is going to escape soon. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's not as good, but this is, I mean, it just goes you know, for it. maybe it works better in a book, but like this ending is so cinematic. It's just they like, hold hands and these buildings just blow up in front of them. Yeah, it's a, fu- it's, and, it's a great. And I don't know if it's in your cut, but in my cut, they cut in a dick at the very yeah, end. Yeah, they do. It's great. I, okay. I love it. <laughs> right. um, which is, is, it's funny when it, not only as a callback, but like, you know, it's sort of like a cheeky, this is a movie for men or about men, you know, and it's just this dick that appears over the final scene of, you know, buildings but, being mean, blown up and apocalypse. That one shot of Helena Bonham Carter and Edward Norton, and they're just holding hands, and in the foreground are these two buildings exploding. Yeah. It's nice. And falling. It's nice. I just think it's so beautiful in a strange yeah, way, no, and no, you no. would never get that nowadays. No, it's true. No, it's a great touch to end the film on and it you know it leaves you because it's like ultimately nothing is resolved yeah ultimately the world or at least the economic world it is ending yeah it's great i'm i'm glad that they decided to just sort of go for that instead of well that's where i think the script actually outshines the novel yeah that's what i yeah it 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 takes the vibe and the tone of the novel but improves upon it at times and yeah streamlines it because like in the book it can get a little more goes on digressions you know the nature of a novel is it's just longer so yeah 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 um but i mean so i mean uh I liked Fight Club. Uh, I I didn't know going in if I was going to be saying that because obviously I wasn't sure either to be yeah. honest because it is such a late '90s film even yeah. though it does have a timeless quality. But you know the look of it is very late '90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually liked. I mean, you know, at, at times it's a little Matrixy for me. Um, yeah, yeah. But overall, I actually did think it looked nice, especially because it has this sort of grungy texture to it with like the the grain and the wetness of the visuals that i I liked um the only thing it's a weirdly it almost has a weird noir yeah uh, yeah, yeah. image quality to it where it's like you're in the rundown bar and you're in the yeah it's got some great lighting rundown apartment in the rundown basement yeah yeah, yeah. it's got you know even uh marla is sort of introduced like a femme fatale in a neo-noir um yeah she's just like smoking at one point she has this big hat but it's all fucked up yeah 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 um no i liked it visually i you know stuff that annoyed me would you know obviously there's one or two the cg yeah the cg um and you know this sort of cheeky provocateur tone doesn't sorry doesn't always work for me because i'll give you that but but it isn't um that's that's more a matter of like personal sensibility and overall i do think it's 
a re- it's a good film. It's held up. Um, it's not a personal favorite of mine or anything, but I could see myself rewatching it, and it's very relevant and well acted and well directed and entertaining. Like always, you know, always entertaining. First and foremost, this is a, a sort of thrill ride. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I know it's. I know I might be shooting myself in the face on this <laughs> to tie it back instead <laughs> of the foot. Um, but this was a very important film to me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. When I say it's my favorite, it's definitely not top 10, but it's it's up there. I mean, if there was a top 20, it's definitely in yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I just liked, you know, seeing this as a little, I mean, not a little kid, but, you know, seeing this as like a preteen to early teen. Yeah. It sort of blew my yeah. face open. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was just like, I had not seen anything... There really hadn't been a film in the 90s. You know, there was a lot of, like, 90s counterculture type, yeah, this yeah. is extreme, or this is edgy type of shit. I had not seen a film... Like a Hollywood this, film, yeah. Like a Hollywood film that was so deeply philosophical that, like, was also just so cool. Yeah, 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 no. I mean... I think it sort of paved the way for a lot of the more interesting... Or indie yeah. or horror or just any kind of, like, transgressive films we got. Like, nowadays... Fight Club is old hat because you get shit like every week, like Guns Akimbo, or, yeah, which was yeah, terrible, yeah. by the way. Oh, but, okay. you know, stuff like that where it's like, it's a dead guy, but, you know, the, the main guy hangs out with him. Or you know, just yeah, like yeah, The Lobster, yeah. for instance. I feel like The Lobster, like, that some of its DNA is probably Fight Club. Maybe. I mean, it's it's tough. At least if you go far enough back. Yeah. Maybe not all of it, but, you know, the, the sensibility and just Fight Club doing so well eventually it allowed people i think to try these things out and you know having just seeing how big fight club became i think producers were willing to try things yeah. it's certainly uh an incredibly and very pervasively influential film in a way that few films are um i mean it's just entered and i would argue too few feel a uh, few good films are mm-hmm. yeah yeah probably you know like as much as i love stuff like jurassic park no, and yeah. independence day nobody's saying those are i don't know i mean jurassic park's pretty good yeah. i think independence day is not the best. right no no it's you know you could think like but it just pervades popular culture in the same way like those avengers films have um pervaded popular culture yeah. i don't think they're great films but i can understand why people like well them. i thought of the shining too in the way that yeah the shining they're all very different films but like the way that these sort of uh, at least somewhat intellectually minded films have... Uh, I mean, yeah, I think A Clockwork Orange is a good one, too, because yeah. that is a film that, did you not know it became popular, you would assume it wouldn't have become yeah, popular. Yeah, because of the violence and the examination. Or just the vibe, too. Yeah. I mean, like, with Americans, it's just a yeah. bunch of random British guys, like, beating you know, up and raping people. Silly hats. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, I mean... Bit of the old ultra violence. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much I have to say about it because this is a film about like, you know, so much ink has been spilled over this film already, and you know, yeah. Um, no, I just wanted to cover it because it's such a big film, yeah. and I was curious what your. No, I liked it. I definitely liked it, and I think it is. You know, love it or hate it, it's it's one of the films for our moment, you know? It's it's something that is 
really deeply relevant to an understanding of the political climate of both the 90s and, you know, moving into the 21st century. Into now. Yeah, it's so wild to me, too. This was pre-internet. Yeah, it's crazy. More or less. I mean, the internet was there, but it was not a huge... This was in the days of, like, AOL, where you'd have to, like, you know, log in and right. it would be, like, a modem and you'd have to not use the phone and it'd be like... With with yeah. the internet now, everyone can have their own fight club, which, uh, I mean, it's made it more relevant in, in ways that it might not have been even able to foresee at the time of its release. So, um, yeah. yeah, if you so, haven't yeah, seen I it... I mean, I guess... Watch it. Yeah, I guess with that, you know, go watch Fight Club. I mean, I don't. I'm not the first person to tell you. This. Yeah, no, you don't need us to tell you to watch Fight Club. I'm, I'm sure, most. But yeah, I mean, as a postscript, I do think. So one interesting thing about this film is the type of flack it gets over the yeah. years, and you see, like, there was a while where Fight Club was seen as basically, and it might still be. To be fair, I'm sort of out of touch. Um, <clears throat> seen as basically misogynistic trash that is anti-woman yeah i don't i don't get that from the film me i don't see it either um i do see it more than ever that it's definitely there's definitely some sort of homoerotic maybe latent homosexual stuff going on yeah and the book is much more like that yeah but i don't even think that the homoeroticism is the central aspect to me it's fundamentally a book it's a, I, get, I think or a movie i should say ultimately it's a homosocial movie it's about yeah. how men interact and and relate men to trying each to other form bonds and relationships and there is sort of a <clears throat> there's a i, I won't say much cuz this is an unpopular opinion obviously no, no, but no. there is something about um being a man where there is this sort of like violent play yeah sort of like rough play well that's how how men are you know those are the tools we're given for communication really i mean we could work hopefully we're going to work to expand those tools but yeah um, yeah but i do think there is something to the fact that you know when we're kids in you know older generations they were encouraged to like have sort of rough play you know like football and all these other things and then once you become an adult, it's just like, and just shut it off. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's what Fight Club gets into is it's like, ultimately, we're still sort of like grown up children that yeah. are more or less out at recess. And we just still have that desire for play. Right. But when the older we get, the more it's encouraged that you just don't. Right, right, right. Yeah. No. And it has to go somewhere. And I think it, if anything, Fight Club is about the dangers of repression. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Of, bottling up your feelings like if edward norton had just tried to get a different job yeah, or, or maybe you know just change some things about his life gone to a different doctor for drugs yeah, for instance. yeah yeah um but yeah i mean it's also just it's a social problem not just edward norton's problem yeah um, yeah he's more just the stand that this our society isn't conducive to emotion. It isn't conducive to sincerity. So people are going to try and find that community somewhere. And, you know, hopefully it's not in fascism, but, um, you know, people need this, those bonds and relationships in their life, even if they're sort of dangerous or perverted ultimately. So, I mean, I think that, the core of Fight Club, despite its reputation as this brutal machismo movie, is weirdly uh, tender and uh, moving and sincere. Well, yeah, because ultimately at the end of the film, 
You're left with Edward Norton, more or less, he's gone through all of these things, yeah. but he's sort of back at the start where he's like, oh, I'm okay, I'm yeah, normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not normal, but you <laughs> no. know, like, um, he's killed that toxic part of himself and realizes he doesn't need it. Yeah. It's just the whole world comes down with it as well. It's just, he, it's just everything else blows up. Uh, but yeah, there's hope there. There is a... There's a weird hope, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's probably going to jail. But... So yeah, I mean... So in conclusion, before we, uh, I guess, do the plug what for whatever, but um, yeah, Fight Club, good movie. I recommend. Good stuff. Obviously, I recommend <laughs> yes. it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, um, Helen Bonham, Helena Bonham Carter. Carter, they all have Meatloaf. tremendous performances. Meatloaf. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- I just, I don't know. Uh Ed Norton and Brad Pitt have just such strong chemistry. Yeah, I have yeah. to believe they either became really good friends or maybe even had sex. That's obviously <laughs> me just extrapolating. But, but yeah, who knows? Who you but know? There is definitely there's something there because like it is, or they're just really tremendous actors. Could be, could be both or all three or could whatever. Be all of them, yeah. Um, but but yeah. yeah, I think with that we're gonna wrap it up. Um, so yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter at Celluloid Sits. We're on anchor.fm slash Celluloid Sits. We have a Patreon. Eventually, some more stuff will end up on it. Eventually, we'll do our torture porn episode on there. Yeah. I know we had talked about doing the Teddy Perkins episode yeah. of Atlanta. Yeah, that'll happen. That'll happen. Um, And yeah, other than that... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you like the podcast, um, there's an option to donate any kind of money you want through the anchor site. Um, we do, uh, obviously have the Patreon, which I stated, if you want to throw us a dollar on there, that'd be great. And, uh, yeah, you know, tell your friends about the show if you like it. Cause every new listener helps. Yeah. Uh, unlike fight club. W- unlike fight club. We do. You we don't want have you to talk rule. about this, please. Uh, we do want you to talk. I, you know, just as an, another thing before we go. Yeah. I do think the the rule of don't tell anybody about Fight Club, they intentionally made that the first rule so people would tell people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's nothing that... It's sort of like don't think of an elephant and then all you can think yeah. of is an elephant. It, you know, the, the, the idea of secrecy actually makes it more likely to spread in that way. So maybe right, yeah. maybe we should be telling our listeners to not wink wink tell you tell anybody about celluloid citizens because uh this is secret and cool so <laughs> this is cool and if more people find out about it it won't be cool yeah, that's uh, a lie but anyway <laughs> um for celluloid citizens i'm sean M. thompson i'm brian o'connell and uh yeah don't talk about fight club <laughs>